it's a privilege to be here this morning with you. And uh, if you have a Bible, would you please turn with me to the book of Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. Thank God Jesus has come. Amen. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. That was me. I was lost, but thank God now I'm found. Amen. And uh, we thank God for that. Thank you for the water, too. I appreciate that. Luke chapter number 10. In a moment, I'm going to look beginning in verse number 38. Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 38. I want to preach a message this morning. My goal always is just to be an encouragement. Uh, in fact, that, that's, that's every preacher's goal. It should be. Amen. Um, God's people gather together on the Lord's day. Amen. And we pray that God uses his word by his spirit to speak to our hearts. Amen. And to help us to get focused, if need be, readjusted. Amen. Realigned. Amen. That we might go back out into the world and try to live for Jesus. Amen. There's a lot of bumps along the road, is there not, in the Christian life? And some of us are familiar with vehicles. And if you live in the city of Philadelphia, and I live in the heart of the city of Philadelphia, and we have a lot of potholes. You say, what does that mean? That means our cars, after a while, have a mind of their own. If you let go of the wheel and it goes one way or the other, it's time for a realignment, amen? And in the Christian life, sometimes we just get just hit every which way. A lot of potholes. And sometimes we find ourselves going one way or the other, and it's good to pull in the garage on the Lord's day. The mechanic gets up, and by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, tries to help realign our vehicles, if you will, and that we go out of here and we try to go ahead and live straight for God. Amen? And that's why we need it on a daily basis, or on a weekly basis especially. Luke chapter number 10, in a moment, we're going to be, uh, begin to look at something. I want to I preach a message this morning on the phrase that we find in the Bible a few times. And that phrase is the phrase called one thing, one thing. There's this statement found several places of the Bible. And one day I looked at each text trying to gather from the context of, of, of where the phrase is found and, and just trying to pull from it uh, something that emphasizes one thing. Now, as I was studying the thought of one thing, I, I want to say this. One thing is a phrase that emphasizes priority. Priority. And priority, as you well know, is basically this, the most important thing. Now, listen, we all have, as people, many things to do. Is that correct? But what we need to make sure as believers is that on the top of all the many things we have to do, there has to be that one thing that we can't afford to do without. And I just want to say this, there, there's one thing every believer. Now, if you're saved in here this morning, you're, you're saved because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? You're a believer. And as a believer, uh, we are encouraged in the Bible in reference to making priorities in our life. By the way, if we don't prioritize, most of the time it's not going to happen. Amen? And so we need to make sure that there's one thing in our life that's at the top above every other thing. 
And in reference to one thing, let me just say this. Here's a contradiction. I have three things that I want to share. <laughs> three one things that I want to share that we need to make a priority, amen? And you'll understand when we get into it. Let me give you the first thing. Uh, I'll, let's look at Luke chapter number 10. Look at verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went, and it's talking about Jesus and his disciples, that they entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now you'll remember Mary and Martha, they were Lazarus' sisters. Verse number 39, and she, referring to Martha, had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse number 40, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and, and, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus said unto her, uh, answered her and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. By the way, we all have many things that can occupy our minds. Amen? And he said, you're careful about many things. Look at verse number 42. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You think about this. Mary saw Jesus, invited Jesus into her house, and decided, I'm going to whip up something to serve Jesus. And she got so busy preparing, I think she went overboard on the preparation. Can I get a witness? I mean, she just got so busy about everything, she got upset with her sister Mary, who wasn't all that interested in everything, but was more focused on one thing, and that was sitting at the feet of Jesus, to hear his word. In fact, you're too busy if you've got a problem with people that are sitting at Jesus' feet. When you say to Jesus, Jesus, don't you care about me that she has left me to serve alone? Tell her to get up out of there and help me And Jesus. And no, Mary has chosen that good part. No, I'm not taking that away from her. Amen? I just want to say this. Every believer needs to make God's word a priority in our lives. Amen? Amen? Every one of us. Now let me just say this about, about uh, uh, Mary. It said this, Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet and to hear his word. Now I want to say this, you and I cannot quit our job, stay home, sit down and read our Bibles every day, all day long. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about this. The devil gives us a list that's so busy. It says, you got to do this. 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 You don't have no time for this. And when we give in to that and just simply get involved in every other thing, by the way, time flies. You ever done that where you're, I'm going to get with this in a little bit. And then all of a sudden, let me tell you, who makes sure that one thing after another takes place? Amen. And then before you know it, the end of the night, you said, man, I didn't even have no time with the Lord. Let me go try that now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I hit a nerve? Amen. You know why I hit a nerve? Because I'm a human being too. Amen. I, I just want to say this. Look, we all have a to-do list, no doubt about it, but at the top of it needs to be the Word of God. Why? We cannot live on physical bread alone, Jesus said. We need every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. We cannot live without the word of God. By the way, you're going to live, but you ain't going to live life abundantly. Amen? We need to make sure as believers we prioritize God's word in our life. Amen? 
Now David, if it was David, the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse number 173 said this, I have chosen thy precepts. You see, Mary did that. You and I make choices all day long and every day. We have to choose to put Jesus first. We have to choose to put the word of God first. Amen. I've heard people, or I've heard it of people. They say, well, I only read my Bible on Sundays. What you're basically saying, if that's the case, is you tell God, shut up all week long and I'll listen to you on Sunday. If you, I'll give you a little time to speak to me on Sunday. That don't sound right to me. And by the way, we need his word every day. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen? Amen. Let me just say this. The apostle Paul prioritized God's word. In 2 Timothy, don't turn there, chapter number 4, verse number 13. Paul the apostle was on death row. 2 Timothy was the last book that he wrote. He knew he was on death row. In fact, he said, I'm not ashamed of what I'm going through because I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. He's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul knew he was on death row, but he knew he committed his life and his eternity to God. And he said on death row, I'm not worried. I know whom I have believed. I, I'm not trusting religion. I'm not trusting another man. I'm trusting Jesus, amen? And I'm not afraid of death because of my trust in Christ. But, but, but my, my whole point was this. In, in his last book that he wrote, he's, in, he's on death row. He's, he's in a Mamertine prison. He writes to Timothy and he says, Timothy, before winter, please get here and bring my cloak and, and bring some things I need. But he said this in verse 13, but especially the parchments. That's the word of God. I need things. Winter's coming. I need a coat. I need some other things. But Timothy, one thing I don't need you to forget. Bring especially the parchment. Parchment. I need God's word. By the way, if there was ever a time we need God's word, it's in a dark day. Just like he was in. Amen. Let me just say this. It's during the dark day that we don't really feel like reading. Can I get a witness? It's those days that the Bible feels like a hundred pounds and we're just going through whatever we're going through. Listen, as much as we really don't think we need it or, or want it, want it we, we need it the most right then and there. Why? Because it's in those times where the Word of God can do a work in our hearts and strengthen us and help us. Amen? Amen. Heaviness in the heart maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. How God can take His Word Speak to our hearts when we're in the midst of whatever we're going through and give us what we need to keep on going. Amen? Job prioritized God's word. Job said this in Job 23, 12, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. By the way, that verse comes after two verses after one we often quote, he knoweth the way that I take. And when I shall come forth, I shall come forth as gold. What is that? Job was in the midst of trials, in the midst of trouble. Real bad ones. We've never been there. But he said, the word of God is the most important. Like Paul and like Job, in my worst time, this is when I need it the most. Amen? And yet that's when we fight and the devil fights the most. Us getting that precious word. The apostle Paul prioritized God's word. Job prioritized God's word. Let me say this. David, in Psalm 19, prioritized God's word. Here's what he says. By the way, I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time, but Psalm 19, 7 to 11, he talks all about the word of God. And here's what he says in the key verse, verse number 10. More to be desired are they, the word of God, than gold, yea, than fine gold. What is he saying? David said the most valuable thing that you and I ought to desire upon the face of this earth is God's word. 
Why use gold as a standard? Because gold is the standard in the world of what's most valuable. David said, as a believer, more valuable than the gold of this world is the Word of God. Why? The Word of God can do for us what gold cannot. Gold can't deliver you from addiction. Gold can't keep your marriage together. Gold can't give you peace of mind. In fact, you got too much of it, you'll lose your peace. Worried about it. Amen? People have hit the lottery that couldn't handle all that money, ruined their lives and their families. You don't want what God knows you can't handle. Amen? The most valuable thing in this world that you and I as believers can hold in our hand is right here. The Word of God. Amen? Because this is the most valuable. But let me just say this. We will not prioritize what we do not value. If I don't think the Word of God is valuable, I'm not going to prioritize it. You know what I prioritize? I prioritize what I think is most important. Not realizing I need to understand the value of this, this book right here. Amen? If I understood, if I saw the value of it, I preach a message called see the value of the book and seek the value of the book. See what it can do and then get involved in it so he can do it for you. Amen? We need to see the value of God's precious word. It's a perfect book, by the way. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's a powerful book. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. It's quick and powerful. It's a profitable book. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is what? Profitable. What does that mean? This book can profit your heart, your home, your marriage, your children. This book right here is the most valuable and profitable thing that you can sow in your life and in your home. Amen? Right here. So how do we see the value of this? Well, let me say this. We can see the value of this book and the fact that, listen, this book saves the soul. That's it. Your eternal destiny never ends forever and ever and ever and ever is based on the Word of God. Being born again, 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 29. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. If you're saved, you're saved because the gospel truth of this book reached your heart. The power of God and the salvation is in the gospel. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look, you, you can go to church and you can do all the religious things you can do and go to eternity away from God forever. Or you can understand the truth of the gospel in this book and your soul can be saved. Amen? Hey, that's most valuable. Take the world. Give me the book. Amen? This book saves the soul. That's how valuable it is. But, but let that. This book changes the life changes life. You see, the day that you get saved, your soul is saved and safe forever. But the day you get saved, God just begins a good work in you. Amen? In the book of Philippians chapter number one, verse number six, Paul said this, hey, be confident that the work that God begins in you, he's going to finish what he started. You and I are his workmanship in Christ Jesus, created under good works. God, the day we got saved, began to do something in our life, listen to me, to change our lives by his grace and for his glory. Amen? Romans chapter number 12, verse number 2. To the Christian, it says this. Be not conformed to this world. Don't be like the world. But be ye what? Transformed. Changed. Be totally different than the world. Be totally different than you were. How? By the renewing of your mind. Listen, a new mind makes a new man. 
This book right here, when you read it, and by the Spirit of God, understand it. God uses it in your heart, mind, and life to change your life. 37 years? No drinking? No a lot of other things in my life because what this book did. Amen. Amen. I'm not where I ought to be, I promise you that. But I'm not nowhere near what I used to be. What made the difference? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Sanctify them, Jesus prayed, through thy truth. Thy word is true. The word of God will change your life. Transform you. Gives you a new mind, a new thinking. See, you live based on your thoughts. And if you don't think according to Scripture, you ain't going to live according to Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You and I have the mind of God right here. We got to give ourselves to it. Amen? This book saves a soul. This book changed. By the way, I've seen God change my life in a tremendous way. But I'm not content with where I am. There's a song we sing, and you probably sing it here, more about Jesus, right? More of his saving fullness, see? More of his love who died for me. The songwriter is saying this. I've seen God change me and rescue me and deliver me from many, many things, but I need to see more, and I want to see more. Amen? God is still working in our lives and our hearts. This book right here saves the soul. This book right here changes the life. And let me just say this. This book right here encourages the heart. Encourages the heart. And this is exactly what we need to keep on keeping on. Amen. In Romans chapter number 14 and verse, I'm sorry, Romans 15, 4, here's what it says. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for, were written for our learning that we might through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. See, what does that mean? That means this. When we read and study the word of God, the truths in it gives us the encouragement and the strength and the hope that we need to keep on keeping on. There are times, look, and close the book and it's gloomy and it's dark and it's dreary and the devil whispers in your ear, there ain't nothing, you might as well just give up now, throw in the towel. Many times, Satan whispered, there's no need to try, there's no hope in the future, there's no hope by and by. But the songwriter said, but I know thou art with me and tomorrow I'll rise where the storms never darken the skies. I don't know about you. When I get in this book and I see what the future is for us, it encourages me. Yeah, I'm living in a bad time, but I'm headed for a good one. Amen? Amen. The Bible says this about you and I that are believers. We are strangers and pilgrims in this world. You know what a stranger is? He's somebody that's away from home. You know what a pilgrim is? He's somebody that's headed home. I feel uncomfortable because I'm away from home, but I'm encouraged because I know I'm headed home. I'm talking about our eternal home, amen, where there's no more sin, no more sorrow, no more dying, no more crying, no more pain. You feel me? Amen. You read stuff like that. By the way, when you read and study the book of Revelation, when the Lord describes how beautiful heaven must be, he throws a statement in there that says, by the way, these things are faithful and true. 
I've often thought to myself, why would God throw that in after telling us about, because you'd almost think this sounds like a fairy tale. This sounds too good to be true. But he throws it in there. No, it's not. It's for real. Amen? It's for real. This book saves the soul. This book changes the life. This book encourages the heart. Listen, this book enables the heart. What does enable the heart to do? Watch this. It enables the heart to serve one another. God wants us to help one another, encourage one another, so on. This book will put something in your heart that will help you. And what helps you helps your brother or your sister in Christ. Amen? You see, you go through what you go through. God helps you. And he says, I did that so you can help those that are going through what they're going through. Amen? This book saves the soul, changes life, encourages the heart, enables the heart. But let me say this also. This book empowers the heart. It empowers the heart to do what? Listen, to win victory over the devil. Amen? To win victory over the devil. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary. By the way, take it personal. Your adversary, like a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Listen, resist means fight. You and I that are believers, we got to fight the devil on a daily basis. Can I get a witness? Three enemies of the believer, the world, the devil, and me, the flesh. And we have to fight the devil. In fact, James 4, 7, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. I cannot fight the devil if I don't have the word of God in my heart. Jesus gave us a great example in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. The devil tempted him in the wilderness, you'll remember, three times with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Every temptation the devil sent to Jesus, Jesus pulled out the sword of the word of God and said, it is written, it is written, it is written. By the way, because it is written, Satan is smitten. You see, when temptation comes to you, you got to be able to pull out a word and say, no can do. Amen? But if you're empty of the word of God, you have no weapons. I live in the city of Philadelphia in the hood. And I really try to go, not to go out without a weapon. I don't know if you feel me on that one. And some of you might say, well, brother, what about your faith in God? It's there. And I'm trusting God to help me not to have to use it. And if so, to be able to aim good. Horses prepared against a day of battle. Safety is of the Lord, I know. You do the preparing and you trust God. I'm just saying to you, when temptation comes my way, be it from the devil, from the world, from the flesh, I, I can't afford to be empty of the word of God. I have to holster this book in my heart, amen? And so do you. First John chapter 2, verse number 14, you don't have to turn there. John said this, I write unto you young men, listen, because you are strong, the word of God abideth in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. See, what does that mean? It means this. When God's word is in you, you got the strength to overcome the devil. But God, when God's word is not in you, you don't have the strength to overcome the devil. Amen? I'm going to put that there because I don't feel like I have to hang that out to dry later. This book needs to be a priority in our life. And here's the, here's the here, if I could sum it up with this thought. This book is the key to our success and prosperity as believers. As believers. Joshua 1.8. 
This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou have good success, and then shalt thou make thy way prosperous. You see, this book, most important book that you could hold in your hand. Amen. Make God's word a priority in your life. Let me give you a second thought. Look at Psalm chapter number 27. That was my longest point. Please fear not. If you have any mathematical skills, you're thinking, okay, that's one third, and where are we at with this? <laughs> Worry not. The first point is usually the biggest point. But let me give you this couple of thoughts to close it up. If you're a brother or sister in Christ, if you're saved, you have to make God's word a priority. Amen? We, we, we have to make God's word a priority in our life, no doubt about it. Psalm 27. Did I say 27? Psalm 27. Look at verse number four. Here's the second thing that every believer needs to make a, a priority in our life. Every believer needs to make God's house a priority in their life. Look at Psalm 27, verse number four. The Bible says this, one thing, that's our emphasis, right? One thing, have a desire of the Lord, that will I seek after they may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and acquire in his temple. David said this, listen, one thing, have a desire of the Lord, that I'm going to seek after, that I may dwell in the house of God. Listen, you and I as believers need to make God's house a priority in our life. Amen? Let me just give you some simple reasons why. God's house is where God meets with his people. Hey, why should I make God's church a priority? Well, do you want to make God a priority? Um, where two or three are gathered together in my name, here's what Jesus said, there am I in the midst. If two or three are gathered in his name and he's going to be here, I think it's good to make God's house a priority because the fact he's going to meet with us, amen? God's house is not only where God meets with his people, but God's house is where God speaks to his people. Now, some of you are theological. And you say, well, Brother Matt, God can speak to my heart when, when I'm sitting at the kitchen reading and studying my Bible. No doubt about it. Let me tell you something, though. I believe when you and I honor the house of God and the God of the house, I believe he speaks to us in a very unique way. I don't think you can reject and deny and disrespect God's program, God's doing and have his blessing. Oh, you may learn something, but it's not going to help you as much. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Let, let me say this. In Revelation chapter 2 and in Revelation chapter 3, listen, seven times there's a statement that says this. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the Church. churches. God speaks to churches. And if God's going to speak to this church, I want to be there to hear what he's got to say. Hey, most of our learning is we're reading what the Spirit of God through Paul said to that church, that church, that church. But you know what I'm getting from that? I'm getting a lot. Can I get a witness? Paul, at least seven letters were written to churches. God speaks to churches. Let, let, let me say this. Can't get into it. Ephesians chapter number four. 11 to 16, emphasis church, no doubt about it. One of the things the man of God is to do in the church is speak the truth and love. That's why God's man is here in the church. It's God's will. God's working. Amen. Let me, let me give you a verse. Watch this now. Uh, I'm going to use this as an illustration. Obviously, the church ain't in this verse, but let me illustrate. Jeremiah 18, 1 to 6. 
God spoke to Jeremiah, the prophet. Here's what he said in verse number two. Listen to this. He told Jeremiah, arise. That means get up. That's one of the things we got to do to get to his house, isn't it? You got people saying, well, I go to Bedside Baptist. <laughs> Bedside Baptist, who's, who's the pastor there? Who's the deacon there? <laughs> I guess the pill in the sheets, amen, that don't do anything for you. But anyway, here's what God said to Jeremiah. Arise and go down to the potter's house. And he ain't talking about T.G. Jake here. He, well, here, here's what God said to, 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 to Jeremiah. And now it was a potter's house, but he's saying, Jeremiah, get up, go down to the potter's house, the watches, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. He said, what am I saying? I'm saying this. When God tells you, you ought to go somewhere because he's going to speak to you there, you better get there. Right. Jeremiah could say, but I don't feel like going down to the potter's house. Just tell me what I want to know here and now. Okay, I'm going to rebel against God and say, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do, but I surely want you to open up my wonderful heart to your wonderful word. It ain't happening. Go where God wants you to go, and God will open his word and give you something there. By the way, let me say this. What was the message God gave Jeremiah at the potter's house? Let me tell you what. It was an encouraging, strengthening, helpful, hopeful message. There was a crack. Vessel, we call him a crack pot. A crack vessel was in the hands of the potter. And all of a sudden, Jeremiah is watching, and he sees the potter remake and remold and, and, and renew and restore this vessel and made it wonderful. And the whole message was, Jeremiah, Israel, they're crack pots. They're broken up, but I have the power to make them anew and to remold them and make them new and different. It's an encouraging message. You know, if he wouldn't have went down there, he wouldn't have heard an encouraging message. Can I get a witness? How many discouraged saints don't go to the house of God because they're discouraged? No, that's where you go. You don't get it together to come here. You come here to get it together. Amen? When I get around to it, my father-in-law's Pastor Penichetti. He's been pastoring for 40 plus years. He's heard when I get around to it for a long time. Somebody finally gave him an idea. He had these little coins made that said to it. They were round and they said to it on it. So when somebody said, when I get around to it, he said, here you go, you got one. I'll see you there. <laughs> Amen? God's house is where God meets with his people. God's house is where God speaks to his people. Let me say this, God's house is where God blesses his people. You see, how does he bless his people? He set it up this way. His program, he set it up. You got a problem with the church, got a problem with him. It's his doing, not mine. He set it up for the church to have loving leadership. Loving leadership to help us as believers. By the way, is Jesus your shepherd? Are you his sheep? The shepherd's not here physically. Guess what he's done? He's called earthly shepherds to lead his people. Every one of God's sheep need a shepherd. If you say, well, I'm going to, no, you're out in the fold. You know, you don't want to be there. The wolves are out there. Amen? It's not only his house that he blesses us because of loving leadership. Listen to this. He blesses us through mutual fellowship. You say, what does that mean? Listen, I can't get into it for the sake of time. Some of you are saying, good, amen. <laughs> the concept of the phrase one another if you ever studied a phrase in the New Testament in the context of the local church, one another is all over it. Love one another, bear one another's burdens, and pray for one another, exhort one another, encourage one another. You understand what I'm saying? What does it mean? That means this. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We get together to get the strength.
shrink from one another to go back out in the world. Amen? Amen. You ain't getting the encouragement you need on the job unless you work at a good Christian company. You understand what I'm saying? The world don't love you and you ought not to love the world. We get our fellowship and our strength and our exhortation and our encouragement one from another. Take a log out of the fire, what happens? The log goes out. Put that log in the fire with all those other logs, it gets caught up again. Hey, listen, there's days I'll come in the church and I'm wet and I need your fire to do me a favor and get me started again. Amen? Amen. And there are times you'll come in wet and you need my fire. You understand that? Most days we're not all going to be down, hopefully. Amen? Two are better than one. Ecclesiastes says, Amen? Let me say this. Psalm 92, 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the course of our God. You cannot flourish unless you're planted. Amen? Amen. Let me give you the last thought. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to one more place. Turn to Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. Every believer needs to make God's word a priority in our life. Every believer needs to make God's house a priority in our life. Amen? I am where I am today because of God's house. And it wasn't just one particular house. I've been to several houses of God. But it's God's house. It's being there that God perfected the saint and helps us to get to maturity, amen, that we be no more children. We need to make God's house, God's word, God's house a priority. Let me close with this one here. Philippians chapter 3, would you look with me in verse number 12? Let me give you the point in case you're interested before I get into this. Every believer needs to make God's will a priority in their life. We need to make God's will a priority in our life. The most important thing needs to be to me is what does God want me to do? Amen? In fact, Paul the Apostle, one of the first things he said when he got saved in Acts chapter 9, verse number 6, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You see, when God saved us, he saved us for a reason. Amen? And once we get saved, we got to say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Where is it that you want me to go? How can I be what you want me to be in the work of God, in the house of God, and so on? Amen? Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12. Not as though, Paul said this, not as though I had already attained. Either we're already perfect. What is Paul saying is, I'm not there yet. Amen? I'm not there yet. By the way, if Paul had room for improvement, we all do. Amen? Not as though I had already attained either or already perfect, but I follow after. Look, I'm not everything I ought to be. I'm not where I ought to be in the most perfect place, but I keep on trying to get there. Amen? Amen. Look what he says. If that I may apprehend. See that word apprehend? Where I come from, it means getting locked up. <laughs> yeah, they apprehended this guy. Okay, they got a hold of him. They got a hold of him. Can I tell you what Paul's saying here? I'm trying to get a hold of God's will for me. Watch this. Let's read on. I follow after it, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am but apprehended of Christ. You hold on a minute. Get this. Here's what Paul said. 
I'm trying to get a hold of what it is that God got a hold of me for. I know God didn't just save me to sit down and do nothing. I want to get a hold of God's will for me. He got a hold of me for a reason, and I want to work at getting a hold of what it is he got a hold of me for. I don't want to leave this life having not fulfilled God's will for my life. Amen? Here's what he said in verse number 13, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended. I know I'm not there yet, but this one thing I do. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. By the way, he said one thing, and yet he's given us three things. I press, verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm trying to get a hold of what it is that God got a hold of me. And let me tell you something. I have a lot of faults and failures along the way, but I forget those things. And I leave them behind, and I keep moving forward. Amen? Because I didn't forfeit the will of God because of my failure. By the grace of God, I get up and I move on. God still has something for me. Even if I did fail at something that maybe I can't do now, I know God's not done with me. Can I get a witness? In the Old Testament, I believe it was Rehoboam, had shields of gold stolen from him. And when they were stolen from him, he had to replace them with shields of brass. Brass and gold from a distance looked the same. Sometimes the only one that knows the difference is you. I might have lost the gold. Maybe the perfect will of God for me somehow, some way. But thank God for brass. God can still use us. Amen? Let me say this. Being in God's will is where we find true success. True success. And by the way, be careful of success. The wrong kind will take you away from God. Well, brother, I can't come to church no more because, man, business is booming and I'm being successful. Yeah, you're God, devil giving you success right out of the will of God. The success that God gives, according to Joshua 1 8, here's what it's called good success. See, good success will never take you out of the will of God, it's in the will of God. Amen? Do not compare success among each other. Well, how many do they have and how many do I have and how much do they have and how much do they That doesn't matter. You want God's success for you, which is not always compared to others. In Joshua 1.8, by the way, the context of Joshua 1.8, Joshua is taking them into the promised land, correct? When they get into the promised land, they're going to divide the promised land between the 12 tribes, Correct. As far as I understand in my Bible studies, the lands that each tribe got were not the same size. Correct? So what does that mean? That means this. God had this portion for this tribe, this portion for this tribe, this portion. Could one say, well, we got a bigger portion than you. Ha, 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 ha. We're better than you. No, 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 no. God gave you what he wanted you to have. God gave you what he wanted you to have. Hey, listen, here's what success is. Just getting a hold of what God has for you. Do not compare success. Because success could be this, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, yet they're all successful. Amen? Let me say this. Being in God's will is not only where you find true success, it's where you find true satisfaction. Amen? 
The steps of the Lord, the, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. You do what God wants you to do and you'll delight in that. Here's what David said, what Jesus implied. I delight to do thy will, O God. You see, success, real success, is satisfying only when you're where God wants you to be. Did you ever hear about the wristwatch? The wristwatch said one day, hey, I heard about this big band over there in London. This big clock, this wonderful clock that everybody sees and talks about. And that watch said, I want to be up there with Big Ben. Anybody know what Big Ben is? Okay, all right, good. And so, so okay, yes, let's do that. Let's, let's take you watching. Let's put you up there with Big Ben. And by the way, if it's up there with Big Ben, what happens? Who, who sees it? Who sees it? Nobody. You lose your significance and your satisfaction when you're trying to link up with somebody else that you don't need to be there. Hey, look, a wristwatch is made for me to know what time it is. A house clock is made for somebody to let the house know what time. A church clock is, hey, your church clock is right here. You understand what I'm saying? He's here to tell you what. He don't need to be up there with somebody if it's not God's will. You lose your place. God has people up here walking in among the kings and God got people down here walking among the common people. Isaiah up here, Micah down here, yet both in the will of God. By the way, we got this terminology. I don't know if you've ever heard it before. It's called major prophets, minor prophets. How many people heard that before? Do you know who decided to, to make that name up? Neither do I. But I don't even like to call them that because it's only based on the size. And you know, we are human beings. Oh, that's a major pastor. You know how many people go to his church? And that's a minor pastor. He hardly has that many. Can I get a witness? Being in the will of God is where we find true success, where we find true satisfaction. And then this, being out of the will of God is the most miserable place that you can be. A fish out of water. Amen? A fish out of water. Let me be honest with you. God's will is not always easy. Preachers and churches that get up and tell you that, they're lying. Or maybe they think that way because they're not really in the will. I don't know. You want to study somebody in the will of God? Study the life of Paul the Apostle. In the will of God, he prayed, Oh God, take this away from me, please. This thorn in the flesh. Oh God, take this away. Oh God, take this. No, it's God's will for you to have it, but I'm going to give you this, what you need to bear it. God's will is not always easy. Listen, but it's always best. Always best. Get this. Not just for you, because that is the essence of selfishness. But you and God's will is always best for other people too. Because you and the will of God, you can make a difference for the sake of others as well. Amen? Let me close with some thoughts. I do a lot of closing, don't I? Some of you are saying, please. Every believer needs to make God's word, God's house, God's will priority. Let me make this statement. Everybody, I'm going to say else, because I've been talking to believers. Everybody else, if you're not saved in here, you need to make God's salvation a priority in your life. We study in the Gospels, Matthew, 
Mark, Luke. There's an individual that people, you take the Gospels, you put them together, and you come up with this idea, the rich, young ruler. How many people heard that? I throw righteous in there too because he was religious, or religious, I should say. The rich, religious, young ruler. Good man. He came to Jesus and he said, what good thing do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, okay, you want to approach me that way? Well, okay, keep the commandments. He said, which? And the Lord said, you know, don't murder, don't, you know, don't. He gave him a couple commandments. By the way, every commandment the Lord gave that man had to do with relations to others. And obviously, this man had good relations with others. And here's what he said. I've kept all them from my youth up. Here's what he said. Watch this. What lack I yet? You know what Jesus said? Watch this. Ready? One thing lackest thou. Sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. The man was rich. The man said, mm, and walked away. Walked away. By the way, that's not instructions on how to get saved. Do you understand that? What Jesus basically was doing was using the commandments to convict him. You see, here's what the man had. He had good relations this way. But his problem was he didn't have a relation this way. You see, his money was his God. And he wasn't ready to trade gods. You understand that? Let me tell you the one thing the man lacked. He lacked a relationship with God. He lacked salvation. Amen? And you may have it all together in this life and die and spend eternity away from God because you lack one thing. You need a right relationship with God. How do you get a right relationship with God? By the way, we're not born children of God. And we're not baptized as infants to become children of God. Salvation has to do with your ability to understand something and believe something. He came unto his own and his own received him not, the Bible says about Jesus. But as many as received him, to them gave he the authority or the power to become the children of God, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. See, what does that mean? Jesus presented himself to the nation of Israel as their Messiah, their Savior. The majority rejected him, but there were individual believers who believed him, received him, and became children of God. We become children of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. When we accept Jesus, when we acknowledge we're sinners, we're headed for death and judgment, but understand God loved us so much, he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for our sins, to take them away, and we can have salvation in Christ Jesus. When we believe that truth, we become children of God. Amen? And when we become God's children, by the way, thank God, he never disowns us. You can never lose your status as a child of God. Amen? Amen? Not in any way. So my prayer is, if you're saved, let's prioritize. If you're not saved, let's make it a priority today to get our relationship with God correct. Amen? As the preacher comes, would you bow with me, please? Father, thank you for the word today. Thank you for the spirit of God and the word of God. I pray our hearts this morning were challenged. As believers, I pray that we were challenged to make your word your house and your will are priority in our life. Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray they'll not leave this place without having a right relationship with you. 
We especially don't want to leave this life without having a right relationship with you, no doubt about it. May your spirit do a work in every one of our hearts in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's all stand. God spoke in your heart. Somebody here that has never received Christ as their Savior, I'd like to invite you to come. Come down. If you need to pray, get some things right with the Lord, come on down. Some of us just need to come down and talk to the Lord. Lord, it's me. I'm here. Encourage me. Strengthen me. Help me to be a better servant to you. Maybe you're here and you never got saved. You're not sure that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. You don't have Christ in your heart. If that's you, I'd like to invite you to come down. I'll talk to you right up here. Whatever you need, God is here for you. He is here in our presence. Would you come and talk to the Lord? Would you come meet with him? Sit at his feet. Did God speak to your heart this morning? Why don't you respond? Speak to him back. How do you reply to the God of gods, the King of kings, when he speaks to you, when he calls your name? A broken and contrite heart, oh Lord, that would not despise. You come down, you come humbled, come to the altar. You come broken. You come willing to give your life and all that you have on this altar. But the greatest of all miracles was when my Jesus saved me. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Evangelist Matt Renzi, for being here and preaching the Word of God. Amen. And we need to be under the Word of God. Praise God. Uh, Mrs. Renzi, thank you for being here as well. We enjoy uh, both of you, your company. And uh, I pray that you would, everybody have a great week. Remember, we have our revival next Sunday with the Thren family. Pray for them on the way down here to Pennsylvania. Their bus caught on fire. Uh, pray for them as they um, uh, strive to be here next week on Sunday. Our revival is three services, Sunday at 11, so same as the morning service, uh, Monday at 7, and Tuesday at 7. You would want to be here all three services. It is for you, amen, and for the Lord.
It's a time of cleanup, a time where you are going to separate those three days for your life and for you to get a hold of God and for God to have you and get a hold of you and do whatever he wants with you. God will work wonders in your life, relationships, things that you would never think would ever be resolved, prayers answered. Give God that moment of your life, those three services, and I promise you, God will do some great things. God does answer prayer. But set aside that time next Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Be in prayer throughout the week. Pray for each other. Pray for the speaker. And uh, most of all, prepare your heart to hear uh, from the Lord. Amen. Love you all. I'm going to close in prayer, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for uh, the great message, oh God. Help us, Lord, to hold your word in our hearts. Help us to respect the house of God. Lord, it is a special place here. I know we have great times here. I know there's times of rejoicing and excitement and, and uh, laughter. Lord, but this is a place, Father, of holy ground. It's where you meet with us. And Lord, help us always to have reverence for this place, reverence for any place where you meet with us, our prayer closets, our Bible reading time. Lord, may we hold the things of God highly and reverently. I pray, O oh God, that you would bless our walk with you this week. May we all get even one inch closer to you, Lord. It will be well worth it. Lord, I pray that you would protect us, help us, O oh God, to be prosperous in this world as we are a light to others. May we preach the gospel to everybody we come in contact with some way, some, somehow. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, encourage us, those that are down, strengthen those that are weak. And Lord, uh, most of all, gather us together unto yourself. We love you. Bless this week now. Bring us back, I pray. Pray you bless Wednesday's service. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great week. Lord, we'll see you this Wednesday, 7 o'clock in church.